Welcome to the Everything is Influence podcast. This podcast is dedicated to help you understand why human beings do the things they do and ultimately how you can work with human psychology to influence change and get people to do what you want them to. Whether this is your clients, your prospects, your kids, your spouse, or anyone you come into contact with, this show will give you the tools of influence so that you can become more, unlock your true potential, and serve even more powerfully than you already do. My name is Eli Wild. Let's dive in. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Everything is Influence podcast, where we go over the four levels of influence. Every single week, we're diving into the skills, the strategies, the mindset to help you become a person of influence, to rise above the influence, not just to be affected or infected. And we always go through the four levels of influence, how you ultimately use the skills to influence yourself, take what's inside of you, transfer that to another human being in a positive way, share the influence one to many, and then at the highest level of influence, legendary, so you can influence when you're not even there. And that doesn't mean that you die. That just means that your presence has been felt so deeply. And today I have a really amazing privilege to be able to share with you uh, the tools and strategies and insights from one of my personal mentors. And if you've been here listening, you know that I'm pretty good at the sales thing. Um, I've been around this guy for a couple of years now. And about a year ago, I saw him do something so magical in a stage. I was like, I need to give this man money because there was clearly something there that was so beyond my own skill set, which I've I've honed in pretty well. Uh, I saw magic happen, and it wasn't just a fluke. I've been seeing him do that weekly, daily uh, since I've been a part of his program. I joined his highest level program, and today we're going to extract some of those insights to really help you become a person of influence. And so, this gentleman's name, uh, without any further ado, is Myron Golden. How are you, sir? I am utterly fantastic, Eli. How are you, bro? I'm amazing. And so I know right now you actually have a challenge that you're doing. And, you know, I, I saw this and, you know, you do these every month, uh, these challenge models. I know you were on the road doing events. You've been you're speaking for a long time. And so I, I kind of want to start with just to give context for everybody that's listening. What are you up to in the world right now? Like, what do you do? Like, what's what's your whole jam? And then we're going to kind of reverse engineer from, you know, level four down to level one and reverse engineer how you got to be this person of influence and have the impact that you do. So what are you up to sure. in the world today? So, yeah, like you said, I do a challenge. So we have a family business. Uh, my son works beside me in my business. My daughter works beside me, my son-in-law, uh, my brothers. And so we have a family business. And, and when I say a family business, um, though I started it, everybody who works in it is integral to the business. So everybody has an important role to play. And what we do is we teach business owners how to grow their businesses. And I'm, I'm the, the primary lead coach, if you will, consultant, if you will. And I've created a couple of coaching programs where we teach business owners how to scale their business um, by teaching them basically four moves. And all of the business, the way we teach business is unique because we teach like how to be successful in business, but we teach it from a biblical perspective, which wow. is really, I, I was going to say fairly unique, but it's actually really unique. And um, 
And we've helped a lot of people make a lot of money and change their lives. So that's what we do pretty much. We, and I've, I've written some books and we do a challenge, like you said, every month. And we've got a couple of coaching programs and um, we do a lot of podcast interviews like we're doing right now. So, yeah, that's what yeah. we do. I know specifically your process has allowed me to uh, charge a lot more money um, in a really ethical way, what benefits everybody. Sure. Um, and I know you, you do this for everybody. So what's, you know, you've got this family business, you're teaching sales influence, how to make more offers kind of mm -hmm. unpack for me because people think, you know, sales or influence, there's some often negative context around it. You have, you have zero limiting beliefs about what happens there as far as self-serving and empowering and you're unapologetic in a way that's so authentic and real uh it shifts people just based on on how you show up uh was that always that way for you or what no i don't think so i i think it's something that i developed through thousands and thousands of sales conversations and um so like when I think about selling, I, the first thing I think when I think about selling and salespeople is most salespeople don't feel good about sales, which is fascinating to me because without salespeople, there is no economy, right? Um, like the only reason any of us ever have any money in our pockets or in our bank accounts to do the things we desire to do for the people we care about, the people we love or the causes we care about is because somebody somewhere sold something to someone for profit. And so that's why an economy exists. The reason most people, including salespeople, feel negatively about sales is because number one, they don't know what sales is. And number two, the only sales experiences most people remember are the bad ones. And so when I say that, people say, well, what do you mean the only sales experience people remember are the bad ones? When somebody is really, really good at sales and you buy something, you don't feel like they sold you. You think you bought it because it was your idea. But the reality is none of us were born with a desire to buy anything. So anytime we've bought anything, we bought it because somebody did a good job selling it to us. Now, here's the question. Did they sell it to us seamlessly or did they sell it to us like some other way? When I say seamlessly, did they sell it to us in a way where they made us feel like it was our idea? Mm -hmm. So that's the difference. And so when I say the only sales experience people remember are the bad ones, we remember when somebody talked to us about a product or a service yeah. that we, we had no desire for, and then they tried to pressure us or into yes. or convince us to buy it, right? Mm -hmm. So that's what I mean. So people who attempt to convince people or pressure people into buying something, I, they do that because they're not good at sales. Sales is not convincing, sales is persuasion. What's the difference? Convincing mm -hmm. is when I attempt to get you to do something I desire you to do for my reasons. Selling is when I help you make a decision you already desire to make for your own reasons. And it doesn't matter, Eli. Anybody listen to me right now? They already have a, when I get paid, I want to buy list, right? Mm -hmm. So think about that. We all have stuff we'd like to buy when the time is right and the money's right. So when the time is right and the money's right, I'm going to buy XYZ, right? That's what, yeah. like, so, yeah. so when people say, Myron, how do I find people to sell my stuff to? I always tell them you're asking the wrong question. Mm. And if you ask the wrong question, you're not going to find the right answer. So a better question than how do I find people to sell my stuff to is how do I make myself findable for people who already desire to buy what I already desire to sell? What does that mean? Mm. They're like, regardless of who you are, what you sell, if you have something good that's going to change somebody's life for the better, there are already millions of people in the world who would love to buy what you are selling at the price you charge for it if they only knew you existed. 
So mm-hmm. instead of trying to find people to sell your stuff to, make yourself more findable for people who already desire to buy what you already desire to sell, and then selling becomes seamless. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so, I mean, I, I know because in your program, it wasn't always that way. You said you weren't so great oh, no. in your words. I was sales. terrible. I was terrible. <laughs> I, when I got started in sales, bro, I was so bad. Like I started selling insurance and investments. When I started selling, I got started in the company October of 1985. I did not make my first sale until April of 1987, 18 months after I got started, I made my first sale. And that wasn't because I wasn't doing presentations. I was doing presentations, but what I was doing, I was trying to convince people who did not desire to buy what I desired to sell to buy my thing so I could make a commission. When I realized, wait a minute, there are millions of people that already want this stuff. All Mm -hmm. I got to do is go out there and position myself in places where people who desire to buy can find me. And now, like selling is like the easiest thing in the world. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. I think a lot of us here that that saw you for the first time, kind of your your big explosion onto the map was when you did the repitch for Russell Brunson. Everybody was talking about Myron Golden. And there you did like this eagle story. You did a lot of these these, you know, these stories with metaphors. These, metaphors. Metaphor, these beliefs that the picture parable principle, all this stuff. Like, how did you come up with that? I mean, that's obviously you've had this isn't that wasn't your first time doing it. How did you come up with all of that? Because people here that are wanting to be more influential, they're they're like, what do I say? And sometimes we ask questions and a lot of sales is that, or we do a presentation, but you were teaching principles and values through story. Uh, Like how did, and and the story is genius for anybody. I mean, I'm just mind blown when I'm seeing this stuff. Uh, How did you come up with that? So it's really interesting. So I read a lot of books. Yeah. And I think a lot. Like Napoleon Hill was not wrong when he wrote titled his book, Think and Grow Rich. I like to tell people thinking is the hardest work most people never do, right? Mm-hmm. Right. People will maintain a state of physical diligence so they can maintain a state of phys- mental laziness, right? So people work hard in their body so they don't have to think about what would work better if they only tried it. So where, where do I get stories from? I get them from just paying attention. And it, like, if you read enough content, from different arenas, things that are seemingly unrelated will remind you of things that they're totally unrelated to. And you start putting stuff together and then you start seeing how things from different arenas actually come together and work the same way. That's what happened. That's what it, where innovation comes from. It's like Steve Jobs took a calligraphy course and when he started working on computers, he said, these fonts are ugly. What if we figured out how to put calligraphy into a computer, right? Well, calligraphy into a computer, wait, what? Right? And mm-hmm. so that's where that's where like i believe our minds begin to light up with ideas when we start seeing connections between seemingly unrelated things so a lot of people know about robert kiyosaki's book rich dad poor dad right yeah okay so he also has a book that most people have never heard of called if you want to be rich and happy are you familiar Hmm. with this book no if you want to be rich and happy don't go to school Hmm. okay so in that book he gave an illustration about birds learn to fly by going down before they go up. Hmm. And, and every time I thought, of, I haven't even read the book, I was just thumbing through it one day, I saw that illustration. And I thought, that's a really interesting analogy. And just thought about it for months, maybe even years, before I ever decided, oh, but you know what? Everything goes down before it goes up. 
And then just, just think about that. In order for a building to go up, you got to dig a hole in the ground for a foundation. In order for a plane to go up, the wings, wings have to be angled down. So mm-hmm. in nature, before anything can go up, it has to go down. And then I started thinking about, okay, well, the tree that the bird is in has to go down. It starts out as a seed, it has to go down in the ground. And then I just started thinking about ways to play with all of these ideas about things going down before they could go up. And then I started telling the story. And, and you know, like a lot of people don't know, a lot of people say, well, I don't like telling stories because I'm not good at it. Or I don't like selling because I'm not good at it. But what happens is when you tell a story over and over, every time you tell it, you get better at telling it, right? Mm-hmm. And then you think of things, oh, if I would have said this right there, that would have been really cool. And so that's how I come up with stories just by, and like, like I've never heard anybody tell like that the story, the eagle story, as people call it, I call it the law of advancement. I've never heard anybody talk about that before, but I got the genesis of that idea from Robert Kiyosaki's book. If you want to be rich and happy, don't go to school. Hmm, amazing. I, and it just, and it just spawned I, all these different thoughts. Yeah. I read a lot of myself and I, I meet a lot of uh, successful people in the book that one of the books I've heard the most that's helped people, obviously the Bible, but also the, the Tao Te Ching, because it's just these short, you know, understandings of principles in nature and life that relate to kind of how we navigate our own lives that give people insight and new perspective as to, you know, challenges they might be dealing with. And so sure. you've- And what's that book called again, you said? The Tao Te Ching. I've never heard of that. Oh, the, the Tao Te Ching, it's, uh, it's maybe 5,000, 6,000 years old. It's like, wow. uh, it's like these short, when I see you next time, I'll bring you a copy. It's like, uh, it's, it's amazing. It's, it's one of these old Chinese, you know, the, I was about the to say, it sounds like, it sounds like, sounds Chinese, Tao Te Ching. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's like 80 plus, you know, uh, just these short, almost poems, um, mm. uh, Wayne Dyer did a book, um, on the wisdom It's called the wisdom of the Tao. And so there's even like mm. Dallas, there's like Dallas priest and things I've like heard that. that. I've heard that phrase, Taoism and stuff. I've heard yeah. that. Yeah. All based on that book. It's kind of like a, uh, I don't want to say like a Bible for Asian, but it's, you know, I, that would be wrong. Like, but a it's reference, just, like a reference guide for. Yeah. Yeah. It's, people uh, who want to be, yeah. Uh, like center their focus or whatever. Yeah. No. As I know that you've got, uh, you know, since we're on that track, uh, the Bible has been such a strong foundation for what you do. Uh, was it always that way? Were your parents no. sending you to Sunday school? No, no, just, you just got into it. Well, my, yeah, my parents, but that, the first book other than a karate book or a comic book that I ever read in my life. And, uh-huh. and I had a unique experience when I was 16 years old. And um, I had what, what is known by those of us who are of that way, an encounter with Jesus Christ, like, Mm. a spiritual encounter with Jesus Christ himself, like, and just realized that, you know, this life is temporal, but life is eternal. And, and so anyway, um, what was that, what was that experience? So, so I was in high school, yep. talk about influence, right? I'm in high school and there's this other kid in high school, Pete Smith, mm-hmm. and Pete was into karate. I was into karate. So I'd go to his house and practice karate. Well, there's another kid in our school named Stan, Stan Harris, and he had this jacket, and on the front it said Stan, and on the other side it said Harris, and in the back, in big, bold, black letters, it said, without Jesus, you ain't living. I'm like, what does that mean, right? And so anyway, so Stan and Pete lived on the same street. I was over at Pete's house practicing karate one day. Stan came over and practiced with us. He was a, he was a martial artist, so we were all martial artists. We'd go into Pete's basement, and we'd practice karate. Yeah. 
And I got ready to leave one day and Stan says to me, so let me ask you a question. Sure. What's that? If you died today, do you know for sure you'd go to heaven? So, no, I'm pretty sure if I died today, I wouldn't. <laughs> right. Wow. And um, he said, can I show you some verses from the Bible? I said, sure. Do what you, what you got to do. And um, he did. And I was like, yeah, that's really interesting. And, and from that moment on, I became um, really, really aware of my mortality as a 16 year old. I'm like, like wow. really hyper aware of my mortality. And um, I started going to church with him. And one day I just said, you know what, they, at this, they taught that, you know, you don't, religion is not what like fixes your relationship with God. God sent his son to die on a cross. And if you trust in what he did and stop trying to be good, then let him be good for you. Then you can be adopted into his family. I'm like, I'll do that. And so then after that, he said, now you need to start reading the Bible. Now, if that would have been, if they would have told me that first, I probably wouldn't have done it. Cause I just didn't mm -hmm. like to read. Cause I'm not, I, I wasn't a good reader. Right. Yeah. But I started reading the Bible and what happened for me when I was 16 years old, I started reading the Bible and I didn't, I'd never read it before, even though I'd been going to church my whole life. And I didn't realize, I thought the Bible was, I was going to find all this religious stuff in the Bible. And I started finding all these principles that would make my life better. Like for instance, specifically, um, one that changed my life because I have six brothers and we did not always get along. I read a, a verse in Proverbs chapter 15, verse number one, it says, it says, a soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. I thought, hmm. my brothers and I get in arguments a lot. I'm going to try this soft answer thing. And one day my yeah. brother, Mike, he came in and he was like screaming. Rah, rah, rah. So, wow, that's really interesting. Wow, I'm sorry to hear that. Is there something I can help you to do to fix that? And on the outside, we started talking about how to solve it. But on the inside, I was like, so cool. And so I became, I, I became so intrigued to see what else I could find in the Bible that would help me make my life better. And I started finding all of these principles and applying them in any area of my life I applied the Bible to, that area of my life got better. And I just kept doing that. And then when I got started in business and I discovered the Bible said things about business, I said, well, what if I do this the way the Bible teaches? And the same thing happened. So that's pretty much how that deal went down. And I've been soft, studying the Bible ever since. Soft answers. Um, yeah. And it's, it's interesting how you've made this correlation. So, you know, not all people for sure that study the Bible that are Christian and all of that, um, there's, I, and I have some other friends, you know, Pedro Addo, uh, you know, Christian, he, you know, does all the five day challenge stuff. Uh, you know, a lot of people that go to church a lot, they're, they limit themselves financially. They have limiting yeah. beliefs about making money or charging money. Um, yeah, so you, it's rare that you see somebody, um, a person of such strong Christian faith, but also a strong business sense. It's not, you know, it's, it's not completely uncommon, but the way that you have linked it as uh, virtuous to charge money and virtuous to build a business and the analogies and metaphors from the Bible that you've shared have really helped me. Um, how did that come to be? Is that, is that your own insight? Well, because I study history. So that's part of the, no, it's not, it wasn't an original insight with me. Like I could see clearly that like after I came to Christ when I was 16, I'd go to church, I'd hear the pastor speak out about the dangers of making too much money. And I thought to myself, well, you make way more money than we make. Like you mm -hmm. live in a nicer house than we live in. You live in a nicer car, drive a nicer car than we drive. You make more money than my dad makes. My dad has seven kids, you have two kids. And so I was confused as to like, okay, so what determines a lot of money? Because to me, back then in 1979 or whatever it was, my pastor was compared to us rich. Right. And mm -hmm. so like, it didn't, it didn't make sense to me. I could see clearly 
like an incongruency. And so, and I didn't, I didn't, it didn't irritate me. It just fascinated me. Right. And then I was poor for a long time. Like I was broke, like, like bad broke. Like when, even after I first got married, um, when my wife was eight months pregnant with our own child, we were our first child. We were so broke. Our electricity and water were both disconnected at the same time. So I know what it's like not to have money. And then I started seeing these verses in the Bible. I was like, okay, well, if money's so terrible, what does it mean when it says the blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich and he addeth no sorrow with it? Like, what does Mm -hmm. that mean? Like when I, the first time the word rich is used in the Bible, it's talking about Abraham. Hmm. Like, and it says he was very rich. He wasn't just rich. He was very rich in cattle in silver and in gold. And like, and Abraham was rich and Isaac was rich and Jacob was rich and David was rich and Solomon was rich. And, and like Job was rich and all these Bible characters were like, why, how is this so terrible? The idea that anybody is supposed to live in lack as a, as a virtue is not a biblical concept. It is a satanic concept. Hmm. Okay. Now, that that idea was was um, promoted heavily through Greek mythology. Hmm. The less money you have, the more virtuous you are. Through Roman mythology that came down through the Roman Catholic Church, and then when the Protestants pro, Protestant means Protestant, they, the Martin Luther, John Calvin, those guys that protested the Catholic Church when they came out of Catholicism, they they said, the reason we're coming out of Catholicism is because Catholics say, you got to do this, we got to do this good deed, this good deed, this good deed, this good deed, and maybe you can get into heaven. He said, but the scripture says it's by grace through faith, and it doesn't have anything to do with the work you do. It has something to do with the work Christ did. But they came out, they got salvation right, mm-hmm. but they had a whole lot of other doctrine around money, for one, and many other things, that was still twisted. It wasn't it wasn't accurate. Um, what you'll have a hard time finding, if you look at the entire Old Testament, six, um, 39 books in the Old Testament, 27 books in the New Testament, 66 books in all, uh, mm-hmm. you, will, you will be hard pressed to find Jewish people that believe that poverty is virtue. Mm-hmm. Wow. That is a new concept that came into play that was that was promoted heavily by the Roman Catholic Church and then by the Protestant Church and then in the United States of America by um, slave owners. And what mm-hmm. they would do is they would teach their slaves that you work really hard for me down here on earth and then you'll get all your reward after a while in heaven. And then you had slave preachers and former slave preachers who when they came out of slavery, they still preached that doctrine and they would have a lot of black folks and white folks go to the church. And so if you look at the effect of Catholicism and the effect of mm-hmm. slavery on the minds of people with regard to money, and the Bible, poverty is, it's, it's really, from, on a, from a physical realm, that's how it happened. But on a mm-hmm. spiritual realm, Satan is the God little G of lack. And mm-hmm. so he knows if a person is a believer, a follower of Christ, he can't keep that person's blessing from them. So what he does is he makes them think their blessing is bad. So he keeps them from it because he can't keep it from them. Mm. Amazing. It's the two of the, the tenants I always go back and you've seen some of my, my sales training that we, we did. I talk about, we have to be able to transfer from ourselves to another human being in order to influence them. Clarity and certainty are two of the core emotions. Sure. Your clarity and certainty as it relates to these concepts of, you know, things that are complex and how they actually affect people in, on this, this humanitarian worldview, spiritual, other than 
me level is is just always profound i can i can listen to you all day um well thank you yeah it's 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 amazing i was listening to your content last night so i'm uh yeah i'm i'm a fan you know when you were doing these presentations initially and you were you know reading the bible and and not not doing well you started to figure some things out like that journey for a lot of people here that might be struggling in sales or doing presentations piecing things together. And a lot of times, even for myself, when I started doing presentations, you know, I just had a script and most people have a script and they're told to master the script, not deviate off the script. You've, you've definitely deviated from script. You've been thinking about these concepts at what point, cause it, were you with like prime America or something like what, like a network marketing company initially? Yeah. I was with prime America before they became prime America okay. when they were AL Williams. Yeah. So, and, and yes, I was terrible at sales, but here's, here's what most people don't realize. It, and, and this goes back to another biblical principle. Uh, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Hmm, that's interesting, a double-minded man. So if inside you believe there's something wrong with making money, but outside you're attempting to make money, you're incongruent, you're double-minded. You're, you're attempting to go in two directions at the same time that are opposing each other, right? Mm -hmm. And so until I got my perspective on sales right internally, anything that I did in sales externally could not be good. Hmm. Because like you said, clarity and certainty, sales is a transfer of certainty. Certainty hmm. about what? Certainty about an outcome. Hmm. And if you're good at sales, you can, either the person you're selling to is certain that you are wrong and they are right, Either they're more certain that you are wrong and they are right, or you're more certain that they are wrong and you are right. Whoever has the highest level of certainty, provided that the outcome is something that the prospect wants, whoever has the highest level of certainty is going to be the one that influences the other one. Mm -hmm. What do you think takes away somebody's certainty? Haha, -ha. I was hoping you were gonna ask that question. So I, I, I think that certainty, like um, certainty, let's, I'm, I'm gonna use a word, I'm gonna use the word confidence like because certainty certainty why would a person be certain they would be certain they'd have certainty because they have confidence so if you think about the root word of confidence the root word of confidence is confide yeah. which means to trust so a person that has certainty they are either trusting in their own ability their, themselves they're trusting in principles or they're trusting in an expected outcome they are trust they're like i trust this right their expectation for a favorable outcome is is extremely large. So where does that confidence come from? First and foremost, confidence comes from competence. Mm. The better you are at doing something, the more confident you are, you can do it. Right? Yeah. If I said, Hey, can you walk across the floor? You'd be, Oh, yeah, sure. I can walk across the floor. Why? You know, you can do it. You have competence. But mm -hmm. the same number of steps on a tightrope across two tall buildings, you're not as certain. Mm -hmm. Why? You've never done that before. But you've walked before but you've never walked across that before, right? And no. so like the same exercise in a different circumstance, a different situation, now you don't have certainty, why? Because you don't have competence. So first it comes from competence. The next place it comes from, it comes from character. What do I mean character? You are a person of your word. Okay. Most people have broken their word to themselves so many times in the past, they can't believe a word they say. So they say they're going to do something. They know they always let themselves off the hook. So they don't believe it. So they don't have confidence. They don't have confidence because they don't have character. Mm -hmm. Right? So confidence, 
comes from competence, it comes from character, and it comes from clarity. I love what Rick Warren said in his book, The Purpose Driven Life. Nothing becomes dynamic until it becomes clear. So, like, I can clearly see the outcomes of the things that I do before I'm done doing them. You and when I say clearly see them, I see them in my mind. Say that again. You visualize. Yes. I see them clearly in my mind. Like, I, I don't ask myself questions. Like, if I'm, if I'm working on a project, I don't ask myself, what if this doesn't work? That's a disempowering question. Now mm-hmm. I'm entertaining as a possibility something that I'm working on not working. Now, I've got another frame. Everything I work on works. Hmm. Sometimes it works for me. The other times it works on me. If it's not working for me, then it's working on me. And it will work on me until I become a person for whom it can work. So hmm. either way, it's all good. Right? Okay. And so I don't have this, oh, I'm going to be a failure. What if, it, if I do this and it doesn't work for me, I'm a failure. No, if I do it and it doesn't work for me, it's working on me and I'm still not a failure. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's where the third piece comes in. You have clarity. You understand how it works. See, most people don't understand how life works. So they go through every aspect of their life, guessing and hoping and wishing, guessing and hoping and wishing, guessing and hoping and wishing. But when you study principles and you know how, like, like, I'm not surprised if I drop my phone and it falls to the ground. Why? Because that's just a principle. Well, there are principles that affect sales Mm -hmm. just like and influence, just like there are principles that affect. The principle of gravity affects anything that you drop off, off of a table or out of your hand. And it's so interesting. One, like you can, you can build um, influence in somebody who, in whom you have no influence. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's really interesting if you understand that you can build influence. Like let's say I've got something that can change your life, right? Yep. And I've got to, I believe that I have a moral obligation to do everything in my power to get you to buy that from me. If I've got a solution that I sell that can change your life for the better, I've got a moral obligation to do everything in my power to get you to buy that. So how do I do that? And, and I'm not even gonna convince you, I'm just gonna persuade you. Because I already know, if I go to an event, let's say I go to an event and the name of the event is Social Media Marketing Profits. I don't have to wonder why you're there, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. You are there because you wanna use social media to make profits in your marketing. Right. Mm -hmm. So if I can present to you a solution that helps you achieve that outcome, then as long as you have the ability and you believe as long as you have the ability to do it, my job is to persuade you that this solution that I've created is your best chance at getting the outcome you desire. If I do that, it's almost impossible for you not to buy. The only thing Mm -hmm. that will keep you from buying is if you buy, if you have bought into the idea that I can't afford it is a real concept. And there's no such mm-hmm. thing as I can't afford it. Right? Yeah. And, and when I say there's no such thing as can't afford it. Yes, there's such a thing as somebody might not have the money for it right now. But that's mm-hmm. irrelevant. Have you ever bought something that you didn't have the money for? Well, you figured it out. What did you do? You figured, yeah. you figured it out, right? And so when somebody says I can't afford it, what they really mean is, well, this is not important enough yet to me to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And yeah, by the way, yeah, I think one of the best go, go, go. things, like as, as a coach, and I think the, as a sales consultant, it's kind of a, a coaching energy, which doesn't mean mm-hmm. that they're dependent on you. You're empowering people. And one of the worst things we can do as a parent and influencer of any type is not to have belief in people. Like, Hey, I believe you can do this. Absolutely. And one of the Absolutely. things we used to always say about the process, you know, I was selling is this works hundred percent of the time for hundred percent of the people. 
who do it do this 100 percent and so right. it's a 300 percent guarantee you know we mm. we just need 100 percent from you you know it's like like it's like are so the questions about you are are you willing, like willing to to do what it takes do you have this belief in yourself and a lot of people a lot of people don't and you know i i love this whole concept and when you when i saw you at the the roofer conference you came out and you're like everything's energy and you know I, I think sometimes that when people have that low energy that low certainty that low belief i try to i'm like somebody i'm like hey how's it going they're they're kind of well i'm okay i'm like come on man let's go and i'll give them some energy and that there's that that magnetic kind of kind of effect that we we get to have as, as influencers and it's it's so beautiful to, to see you see you do that it's just it's really cool yeah I think it's, I think as a coach, as part of your responsibility as a coach, as a parent, as a teacher, as a guide, as a leader, part of your responsibility is to believe in the people you lead or teach mm -hmm. so much that they can borrow some of your belief in them until they build belief in themselves. Mm -hmm. Like you might, not you, Eli, but if you're a coaching client of mine, you might doubt whether or not you can do it. I will never doubt whether you can do it. I already know you can do it. Mm-hmm. Right. And so you, you'll like, I've, and I have people say this, well, what Myron did was he just made me believe he like, he believed in me so much. Eventually I started believing in myself. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I've, I've said before, I believe the only thing is that's impossible for me is that something would be impossible for me. Mm. So powerful Two two of the biggest distinctions I got from, uh, you know, watching you and learning, I want to share with everybody is, you know, one of the things you said, uh, it's like, if you make a million dollars, are you rich? Well, it depends. If it takes you 40 years, 25K a year, no. So you're already making enough money. You're just not doing it fast enough. Fast enough. And that that is just so true, you know, what people are doing. And I think a lot of people, you know, time is infinite. It's like we we are all going to die very soon. Every day. And we don't know. And so a lot of people just have this illusion, as the Buddha says, uh, the, you know, the the trick is you think you have time like you don't have time and you don't you don't know uh one of the things that i i started to really help me in my sales was i obviously i, I visualized i wanted people to quote unquote take action and i would try to get them to take action but it was convincing and so i really kind of reverse engineered that as not as advanced as you have but i said well what precedes all action well there's decisions and there's thoughts and feelings and so if i can get them Ooh, in the right part. feeling and the right thought and, you know, I, I watched when I watched your challenge and for everybody listening to this, I highly recommend you watch Myron's challenge. He does them every month. Uh, I don't know what day it was, but you did this, this bit that this picture where you draw a picture, you tell a story, this principle, and then the parable, and then the principle, and you did, you know, it's the stick figure with the facts oh, yeah. and the focus and the belief. I did it yesterday. And, yeah. Yeah. And it's just like, it's like the the thought in your head like it's it's basically letting me know i can't think the thought what if this doesn't work out and as nope. you before before you somebody sees your offer you don't it's like the exact thought i was like man i like i i saw my mind going that way and then it just couldn't go that way anymore to what if this doesn't work out because right. i was so uh just i was thinking this is going to work out and that's exactly what you want people thinking right before they see and if you want to ask it as a question, you say, how awesome is it going to be when this works? Mm -hmm. How much better is my life going to be when this works? How great is it going to be when this works? Yeah. Right? Instead of saying, what if this doesn't work? Well, if you ask a disempowering question, you can't get an empowered answer. Right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so 
Yeah. And it's all about empowering people. Um, you know, just, is there any question, I want to be respectful of your time, is there anything that I didn't ask you about sales influence uh, that I should have, that you think um, you, you'd like to share, or just do you think that could help? Yeah, I, I think I think I think I w- I'd like to end on this. So, like all principles are microcosms of each other, right? What does that mean? That means you take a principle from one arena, put it in a different arena, it still has to work. So, so like sales is a mathematical equation. Sales is a scientific equation. Sales is an emotional equation. And they're all pointing in the same direction. And so like when I discovered like the laws of energy, everything is energy, like the laws of thermodynamics, first law of energy, everything is energy. Energy is neither created nor destroyed. It just changes form. So when you think about that, like everything, if you look around, like I tell people, look around your house right now when I'm doing the challenge, like look around your house, you see all your stuff. Think about your car that's out in the driveway or in the garage. Think about your wardrobe. Think about your last vacation. All of that stuff is the direct result of the energy that you are. Mm. And if you don't like what you have, just understand you have turned your energy into all of those outcomes. If you don't like what you have, increase your energy see because high income is the result of high energy right so that's the first law second law is the law of entropy anything left to itself tends to move more and more towards disorder which means nobody can improve themselves for themselves by themselves we all have to have an outside force that's why i always tell my clients a coach that doesn't have a coach doesn't deserve to be your coach You will never have a conversation with me on a day when I don't have a business coach. I always have a business coach in my life. I got a business coach. I have a spiritual coach. Like any area of my life in which I desire to improve, I'm going to be, allow myself to be affected by an outside force. Okay. Third law is the law of polarity. This is so good. I just, it's so weird that this is the, like we're having this interview right now. And I was at the golf course today and this kid, Mm -hmm. Luke, who works in the cart barn, he comes to me and says, I have a question for you, Mr. Golden. He says, like, you had polio when you were an infant, right? Yeah. Um, He said, has there ever been a time when you thought, why does this happen to me? Like, as an adult, I'm like, no. I don't think why it's happened to me. I know why it happened to me. Because everything is a gift. Hmm. And I asked him this question. I said, have you ever seen a one-sided piece of paper? Have you ever seen a one-sided pancake? Have you ever seen a one-sided waffle? Have you ever seen a one-sided piece of bread? Have you ever seen a one-sided coin? No. Why not? Here's why. You'll, you've never seen one of those things and you never will because they cannot exist. Hmm. The third law is the law of polarity. For every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. For every positive, there's a negative. For every negative, there's a positive. People say, I'm having a bad day. No, you're having a day in which you are focused on the bad things in that day. I'm having a great day. No, you're having a day in which you're focused on the great things in that day. This terrible thing happened to me. No, this thing happened to you and you're focused on the terrible things about that thing that happened to you and you're ignoring the great things that about that thing that happened to you. It's impossible for something terrible to happen to you without exactly at the same time something awesome happening to you. Like, and so like the fact that I had polio, it's a disadvantage in areas, in some areas of life. I can't run, right? That's not a terror. I mean, it's a disadvantage, but it, it can't be a disadvantage without being an advantage, an advantage also. And I realized as an adult, even though I hated the fact that I had polio as a child, I hated the fact that everybody could run but me in my mind. That's how I visualized it, right? Everybody can run but me. Guess what? God ordained that for the assignment that I have, that my body moves slower so my mind can move faster. Mm-hmm. Right? And if I receive that, 
Here's what I understand, that what you resist persists, but what you embrace becomes grace, and grace is a gift. So start looking for the thing to be thankful for and grateful for in everything that happens to you, everything that happens for you, because the reality is everything that happens to you does happen for you, okay? So that law. But then there's the law of inertia. What's the law of inertia? An object at rest will remain at rest until and unless it's acted upon by an outside force. And the law that comes after that is the law of momentum. An object in motion will continue in motion until and unless it's acted upon by an outside force. What does that have to do with sales? Only this. When you start a sales conversation with somebody, they are, when it comes to taking advantage of your offer, they are in the place of inertia. An object at rest will remain at rest until and unless it's acted upon by an outside force. Now, here's what's going to happen. You are going to bring your energy into that space and either your high level of energy is going to elevate their energy to your frequency or their low energy is going to decrease your energy to their frequency. One of those two things is going to happen. And so they are either going to be the inertia that overcomes your momentum or you, your presentation is going to be the momentum that overcomes their inertia. And what most salespeople don't realize, just like in science, in sales, Everything you say and everything you do, you are either creating inertia in the buyer or you're creating mm. momentum in the buyer. Make sure you're not doing anything to create inertia and everything to create momentum. So powerful. I, I wrote down something you said when I, when I, and you don't even notice when the first time I saw you speak uh, inside the course, you were talking about how, you know, for you, just, you know, your, your faith and you kind of, uh, you, you have this, you know, God is kind of this ruler over your life. And it's like, you have this divine assignment where that, that yes. you rule over. And I wrote that down and it's like, I'm here to rule over my assignment for the people that I come into contact with. And, and then and to use that assignment to serve people you come into contact with. That's the whole nah. purpose of life. I yield my life to God as the sovereign king of my life. I rule over my assignment as the sovereign king of my assignment. I use the assignment that I rule over to serve every human being I come in contact with. Now, I want you to think about this. If every human being on earth lived like that, the world would change tomorrow. If Instead of, if, if every human being on earth lived by that ideology, that yeah. philosophy, it would change the entire world tomorrow. Yeah. Instead of, a, Satan wants to rule over everybody's life, and then when you yield to him, he wants you to attempt to rule over other people and then use the other people you rule over to serve stuff to yourself. It's the exact mm -hmm. opposite of the kingdom of God. Mm. And it's so powerful. I, it, so many times in my life, I've, I've felt lost. And I think a lot of people are lost. And they, you know, a lot of people get into sales, because they're lost, they didn't become a doctor, lawyer, or quote, unquote, professional, they wanted to make some money. Um, and they see this as a default profession, as opposed to something that's an assignment, which is a holy or worthy or whatever you want to call it. It's a it's a cool thing that the capacity to be able to influence the quality of a person's life through a conversation. And so Absolutely. I, I think, yeah, it's, it's so powerful to see what you've done and, and you're my coach. So I have a coach and uh, we're all getting to learn here right now. So this is, this has been amazing. Um, where can our listeners find out more about you hop on the challenge, get your book uh, where, where can people find out about what you're up to in the world? They can go to my name, MyronGolden.com. There are links to everything in my website. Or they can go to my Instagram, which is at MyronGolden. There's no dots. There are no dashes. There are no underscores. There, there are a lot of fake Myron Goldens on Instagram. People, when you have influence, people will try to use that influence. And what they'll do is they'll go and they'll clone your page, right? 
And I'm mm-hmm. sure you've had this happen. They'll clone your page and then they'll start inboxing your followers. So if it do, if it's not just at Myron Golden, M-Y-R-O-N-G-O-L-D-N-D-E-N, if it has any other letters, dots, dashes, it's not me. I only have one Instagram account. And on that Instagram account, if you follow me, you'll find some really good stuff. Awesome. Yeah. And because Myron is a, a mentor of mine for everybody listening, um, really detailed show notes. There was some fire here. Uh, I'm going to be going back over this myself. Uh, we've had first time I, you allowed me to interview in my Facebook group. I took, I listened to that thing like eight times. And so wow. uh, I ended up joining your program and uh, really detailed show notes. And we'll also put a link to the challenge that I saw about a year ago. Um, that was really profound. And you know, a lot of people listening to this will be doing online presentations and you've taken your in-person two-day event and kind of just turned it horizontal. Into a, and, horizontal into a two, five day, two hours a day. And yeah, it's, it's impacted a lot of people. It has, it's me, me included. I've done thousands of in-person events, but I don't think this online virtual world thing is going away anytime soon, regardless of Corona. It's like, that's the world we live in. And if you want to see somebody captivate and light up that screen exactly. and- build your belief in your capacity to still sell and move people from your home. Uh, there's no better place. So we'll make sure we put those links in the notes. Uh, Mr. Go- Mr. Myron Good Golden, stuff. it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for taking this time. Always a, always a pleasure, Eli. I think I'm going to go get some dinner with my wife. Awesome. Thank you so much. All right, sir. man. All right, man. Have a great rest of your evening. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Everything is Influenced podcast. If you got value from this episode, loved what you heard, and you want to go deeper into really understanding the core fundamentals of influence, then I have one more gift for you. I've put together a special training just for the listeners of this podcast that breaks down the four levels of influence and how to start using these tools in your life today. If you want that free training, then go to wildinfluence.com forward slash go. That's wildinfluence.com dot com forward slash go that's wild with an e at the end then influence.com forward slash go all you need to do is enter your name email and phone number and we will send that over to you straight away until the next time my friend this is eli signing off from the everything is influence podcast